the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. See, discouragement often occurs when we put unnecessary pressures and expectations on our own ministry. We put standards that God hasn't even put for us. You get discouraged and think, well, I should have done this. I ought to be leading people by scores to the Lord. Whoever said that? Whoever said that? You ought to just be faithful and share the gospel and the Lord will prepare the, the right soil. You just scatter the seed. Well, my Sunday school class ought to be sharp. And yeah, they should, but that's not your responsibility. The Lord just told you to be faithful. Just be a servant. Just do what he said. It's never a good idea to look at numbers, size, and growth as a measure of success in the Lord's work. That will usually get our eyes off what Christ has called us to do and onto ourselves. Many missionaries have labored for years without visible results. At God's timing, the faithful labor of planting the seed will bear fruit to His glory. You've joined another Bible class of Verse by Verse, where Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. These programs are an outgrowth of his years of faithfully teaching the Word of God at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Learn more about us by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road. That's about halfway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. It's a friendly church, and Pastor Steve would love to meet you. Call the church at 727-441-1714 for service times. Now with today's class, See Yourself as God Sees You, here is our instructor, Pastor Steve. Now the crucial question to ask at this point is, why? Why did Elijah run? Why would a man who stood up to Ahab 450 false prophets and taken on all of Israel be afraid of one woman? I know we men can relate to that, but the question still is, why? Why? Which, by the way, and this is a footnote, which, by the way, I think that Jezebel's threat was an empty threat. Now, I can't prove this by Scripture, but I firmly believe that Jezebel would never have touched Elijah. You say, why? Well, at this point, Elijah is just too popular. He's too popular to be killed. He's a hero in Israel. Maybe not with Jezebel, but he's a hero in Israel. And if she really thought she could get away with it, why does she have to wait till tomorrow? Why not kill him now? No, she just wanted him to flee, to get away. In other words, she's saying... I'm going to give you a chance, Elijah. Get out of the country and stay out. We never want to hear from you again. I think it was an empty threat. But the question still is, why would Elijah run? Why would he flee? This man had experienced God's protection by, by the brook. He experienced God's protection at Zarephath. Why couldn't he trust the Lord one more time for his protection from Jezebel? You know why Elijah ran? You know what was the cause, the root cause of his discouragement. Elijah, now, now listen, Elijah anticipated a great national revival. 
And when Jezebel's threat came to him, his dreams and his hopes were shattered. He was taken completely by surprise and he was overwhelmed by broken expectations. You see, Elijah had it all figured out. Well, they'll get the news, they'll repent, they'll, they'll maybe abandon even the throne, they'll, they'll leave their idolatry, Israel will come back to the Lord. And when it didn't happen, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle the disappointment. And you say, wait a minute, Steve. All of us have disappointments in life, but we don't fall apart. We don't run away from life's responsibilities. Why was this different? Well, it was different. And you're right, all of us do have disappointments in life. Why was Elijah's situation different? The reason Elijah couldn't cope with this disappointment, this particular disappointment, that he was physically and he was emotionally drained. The man was spent. His tank was empty. He is exhausted. After all, just think about it. In one day, not over a period of time, but in one day, he's had that Mount Carmel experience. He's had to face that satanic pressure of confronting the prophets, the fervency of prayer, the killing of the prophets, 450 of them. Killing 450 men, imagine that. And running ahead of Ahab's chariot, all of this. I mean, this man, as James says, is a man of like passions. He's just like us. He is drained. He's extended himself to the breaking point. And because of his weariness, he couldn't cope with anything especially disappointment. And he responded to Jezebel's threats like a natural man, fear. Because he was tired, Elijah was vulnerable to Satan's attack of discouragement. And Elijah did something at this point that he seldom did in his life. In fact, this is the first time, and the only time for that matter, that we're ever told that he did that. He took his eyes off of the Lord and he put his eyes onto circumstances. And when he saw his circumstances, he was like everybody else and he fled. He was fearful. You know, many times discouragement comes to us when we're tired, when we're weary, when we're drained, when we're physically and emotionally exhausted. And, and the discouragement comes because God does something we don't expect him to do. We've got it all figured out how the Lord's going to work. And the Lord changes our plans in his own sovereign way. And we don't expect it. And we get our eyes off of the Lord because we don't understand what's going on. It's not going according to the way we planned it. And Satan comes in and he uses that. And he discourages us. We get our eyes on circumstances off of the Lord and we're down in the dumps. You know, it's not by accident that Satan came to the Lord Jesus and tempted him when he was in the wilderness, when he was weary and when he was hungry. That's when he tempted him. And when we're tired, we tend to let down our guard and we react as natural people rather than spiritual people. And I think we need to learn from, from Elijah. There's a lot of lessons here, but one that stands out in my mind is don't try to figure out what the Lord's going to do. Let the Lord be the Lord. Don't put him in a little box and have it all figured out how he's going to work. work. Elijah had everything planned. Israel would repent, national revival, recognition of Jehovah. But it didn't happen that way. And he just couldn't cope with that disappointment. You're discouraged. You're going through a deep time of depression these days. Maybe it's because your eyes are off of the Lord. Obviously, it's because your eyes are off of the Lord. You thought the Lord ought to work this way, and he didn't work that way, and you're disappointed. You're really down. You're just disappointed because God didn't fit your mold, your image. 
You know, previous to this, we find Elijah very flexible. Nothing seems to disturb him. When the word of the Lord came and said, get to the brook, he goes to the brook. The word of the Lord comes, says, go out of the country, go to Zarephath, have a widow, take care. No problem, he goes. But now his eyes are off the Lord and fear grips him. And in disobedience to God, he runs for his life. You know how far he ran? Ran to Beersheba, which is 120 miles south of Jezreel. I mean, this guy's gone. So Elijah is discouraged. He's a discouraged servant who's running from his problem. What's the characteristic of Elijah's discouragement? Because it's the characteristic of almost everyone who's discouraged. There's one thing that above all things characterizes a discouraged and disappointed servant of the Lord. He wants to give up because he feels like he's a complete failure. Look at verse 4. But he went himself a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a juniper tree, really, which was like a broom tree. That's what it really is, big, you know, broom-like tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it's enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I'm not better than my father's. That's where Elijah's at. Feeling like a complete failure. In other words, let me paraphrase verse 4. He's saying, Lord, take my life because I failed. I didn't do a better job than the prophets that were before me. Israel is still apostate, and my ministry is a failure. You know what Elijah's doing? He's quitting the prophetic ministry. In fact, that's the reason I believe he left his servants at Beersheba and he went further into the wilderness. He's not planning on returning and picking the guy up. He's left him there and he's quitting. And he says, take my life. Kill me. Because I've failed. I haven't done a better job than the prophets that were before me. Have you ever felt like a failure? You had great expectations for your ministry, your service for the Lord, but it's going nowhere. And you feel like giving up. You feel like quitting. You say, after all, what's the use? I've been witnessing for a long time and nobody's come to know the Lord. Nobody's even interested. Nobody even inquires from me. My Sunday school class is going nowhere. They're apathetic. My family doesn't even care about what I say. My children don't respond to my ministry. The person I'm discipling is a disappointment. They don't care. That class I teach at a Christian school, those students couldn't care any less about the Word of God. What's the use of going on? Nobody cares. You know, I can relate to Elijah, and I'm sure you can too, because I've sat many times under a juniper tree and felt like a complete failure. For me, it usually happens on Mondays after I've given out much on Sundays. But I'm learning. I'm learning not to pay attention to those kinds of thoughts. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm learning not to pay attention to those kind of thoughts. Because when you're down emotionally, you can't think straight. Have you realized that? When you're emotionally drained, you cannot think straight. That's when you have a pity party. That's when you get down that's when your, your mind is distorted and you cannot think spiritually straight. And Elijah wasn't thinking straight. So how do you know that? Well, very easy. If he wanted to die, why not go back to Jezebel? She'll accommodate you, Elijah. Right? Right? See, Elijah's not thinking straight. If he really wanted to die, he didn't have to go anywhere. 
Jezebel would be happy to accommodate him. Not only that, but he said, I'm no better than my fathers. And I take it that he means his spiritual fathers, the, the, the prophets and the patriarchs of Israel. He's not thinking straight because God never said that he had to be better. Who said, Elijah, that you have to be better than your fathers? Who said that you have to bring Israel to, to her knees? God never said that. God just said, you obey me, Elijah. You tell him the message. You tell him that the Lord is God. You tell him that I'm going to hold rain up for three and a half years. But Elijah felt that he should have done more than the Lord expected of him. He's not thinking straight. See, discouragement often occurs when we put unnecessary pressures and expectations on our own ministry. We put standards that, that God hasn't even put for us. You get discouraged and think, well, I should have done this. Uh, I ought to be leading people by, by scores to the Lord. Whoever said that? Whoever said that? You ought to just be faithful and share the gospel and the Lord will prepare the, the right soil. You just scatter the seed. Well, my Sunday school class ought to be sharp. And yeah, they should, but that's not your responsibility. The Lord just told you to be faithful. Just be a servant. Just do what he said. See, Elijah's comparing himself to the prophets as well. Who, who said he had to be like the others? And who said you have to be like anybody else? You don't. And when you start doing that, you're going to be discouraged and you're going to feel like quitting because you'll never be like somebody else and you'll always feel like a failure. Because you've got a higher standard than God ever put on your ministry. You don't have to be better than anybody else. Don't think you've got to change the world. Listen, just be faithful and let God change things. When thoughts of quitting and giving up attack you, recognize, and I want you to realize this, recognize that it's normal to feel this way while you're emotionally down. You know, there are some Christians that think it's a sin to be down emotionally. It is not. It is a sin to lose hope. It is a sin to have the wrong view of God. It is a sin to be in the pit of despair, but despair and depression or being emotionally down are not the same. In fact, if, if after having uh, emotionally high experiences, spiritually high experiences, you are not down at times, then you are abnormal. It is the normal thing. You must come down after you've been on the mountain. It is not a sin, but a, part, a normal part of life to be emotionally down at times. But the sin is when you listen to Satan's voice. And it's a sin when you live in despair, when you lose hope, when you, when you believe that you ought to, ought to quit, when you believe that you're a failure, when you believe that your ministry is absolutely nothing. That's when it's sin. Not because you feel emotionally down. Can't control your emotions. God has made you just normal people. You're going to be down. It is not wrong to feel down. It is wrong to listen to satanic doubts and discouragements and to pay heed to them when you're down. That's what's wrong. Being down is not wrong. Spiritual life is not one high mountain peak experience. You think that, then you're living a dream world. It just isn't that way for real, normal people. Well, how does God cure discouraged, disappointed servants of his? And how does God cure you and me when we're down? Let's look at the cure for Elijah's discouragement. I want you to know it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. It's a process. 
First thing God does is he restores Elijah's body. You say, that's strange. Well, not really. Let's look at verses 5 through 8. And he lay down, that is Elijah, and he slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that 40 days, 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. You know, Elijah, I'll tell you what he didn't need. God is so wise, so gracious, so tender. Elijah didn't need a sermon at this point. Elijah didn't need a three-point outline. Say, now listen here, Elijah. Get on your feet and you march back. You know what Elijah needed most? He needed some rest. He needed his body to be ministered to before he'd ever listen and think straight with a sermon. He needed rest. He needed good food. He needed some water. Listen, the last three and a half years for Elijah have been difficult. No vacations, no timeouts, no rest, no time off, no relaxation. This man was physically and emotionally exhausted, and, and God knew that. And God said, look, Elijah, rest. I'm going to prepare some, some food. It must have been great because he didn't need any food for 40 days and 40 nights. We could get the recipe for that. We'd really be, be good. But God fed him. Fed him bread cake and water, and he just let him sleep. And you know, that says something to us. How does God cure us when we're going through discouragement? You're in the pits of despair these days. Maybe you need to get some sleep. Maybe the answer to your problems is not that deep as you think. Maybe you just need to get some rest. Maybe you just need a balanced diet. Maybe you just need some, some rest and, and relaxation. You know, it is not spiritual to be a workaholic. I want to say that as graciously and yet as firmly as I can. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. And I want to deal with this for a moment because there are so many people who think that, that to do, 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 go, go, go is what the Lord wants without taking a break and resting. And that's just not so. In Mark chapter 6, the beginning of this chapter, Jesus sends his apostles out. He tells them to go preach and cast out demons and do the work of the ministry. And he sends them out two by two and they are, they are busy and they have been working hard. And they report back to him in verse 30. And the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. These men have been busy. They've been hard at work. You know what he said to them? Verse 31. Come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. And they went away in a boat to a lonely place by themselves. How wise of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, look, come apart and rest a while. And someone has, has, has taken this expression and said, if we don't come apart and rest a while, we may just come apart. You've got to go apart and rest a while. You've got to take a break. Dr. Howard Hendricks tells this story. He says, and he's a professor at Dallas Seminary, and he says, I got off a plane for a week of meetings in a church pastored by one of our graduates. This man's wife hurriedly took me off on the side while we went to get my bags, and she said, Professor Hendricks, while you're here, I wonder if you can help my husband. He's constantly active. He spends no time in rest. He's not recouping his strength and his energies, as you often exhorted us to do. I'm afraid he's going to crack up. He's averaging about four to five hours of sleep a night. A few days went by, and we were driving alone in the car, and I said to him, How come you don't smoke? 
Interesting thing to say to a pastor. He said, how come I don't smoke? He said, yeah, I've been here all week and I notice you don't smoke. He said, Professor Hendricks, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Hendricks said, that's wonderful. That's very good thinking. Is that also the reason you're prostituting your body with four to five hours of sleep a night? You know, many of us would never touch a cigarette. And we say, well, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we don't take care of it in other areas. Some say, well, I'd rather burn out than rust out. That's not the options. God doesn't want either. That sounds real pious, but the truth is that God doesn't want us to burn out and he doesn't want us to rust out. God wants us to live by the energy of the Holy Spirit, a very balanced life, abounding in the work of the Lord. Yes, working hard. Yes, being involved in the ministry, but understanding that we need to take a break and we need to relax and we need to get our minds off of our work and service. When Elijah received rest and good food, he was ready for more of God's treatment. He wasn't cured yet. And how do I know that? Because verse 8 says it took him 40 days and 40 nights to get to Mount Horeb. Now, Mount Horeb was more than 200 miles from Beersheba. And that's, that's about five miles a day. In fact, that is five miles a day. And he's still down in the dumps. Five miles a day uh, is not a lot to walk. He's still dragging his feet as his shoulders are still slumped forward. And so the second thing the Lord does is now Elijah's ready for a sermon. Now he's ready to, to, uh, to be ministered to spiritually. He's not yet thinking straight, so the Lord's going to try to set his, his thinking straight. Verse 9. Then he came there to a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, what a question. In other words, Elijah, you're not a cave dweller. What are you doing here? You belong back at Jezreel with your people. What in the world are you doing here, Elijah? Now, please understand that God asked questions, not because he doesn't know the answer. He simply asked questions so that we'll open up our hearts to him, so that we might see what our real problem is. That is always why God asks a question. He knows everything. He just wants us to know what the real problem is. and He wants, he wants Elijah to verbalize what, what's really bothering him. And Elijah opens up his heart. And I think there's a great principle for us to understand here. When you're discouraged and you're down, you know what you need? You need to get alone with the Lord Jesus and pour out your heart. You need to weep to the Lord. You need to cry. You need to, you need to let out your, your frustrations. You say, I would never do that with the Lord. Well, do it. It's better than keeping it in. Let it out. You're not going to fool the Lord anyway. He knows what's going on. The Lord's not going to say, oh. I never realized you had these problems. No, he knows exactly what's in your heart. But you don't know the problem that's there. Verbalize it. Go on the spiritual couch and, and talk to the Lord. Tell him if, if you're disappointed in him. Say, I can never do that. He already knows if you are. So be honest with him. And I'll tell you, if you're, if you're counseling somebody who's discouraged and down, let them talk. Don't be too quick to give them a sermon. God let Elijah talk without, without stopping him. He let him talk without being judgmental, without condemning him. At this point, at least, let someone talk. I have a, uh, a dear friend who uh, there are times I call him up and I say, Look, I know my attitude's terrible. I don't need a sermon. I need somebody to listen. Would you just keep quiet and let me tell you how really lousy I am? And he does. He patiently listens. And uh, after we're finished, I say thanks. It feels better. And, uh, and it's not just that you're ventilating your anger. That doesn't cure anybody. But as you see what's really bothering you, you're able to deal with it because you really see what the problem is. 
It's not just that you're getting your frustrations out. If you get them out, you're able. If you want to walk with the Lord and see what those problems really are, what's, what's down in your heart. Pouring out your heart to the Lord takes time, something most of us feel too rushed to do. Thank you for being here today. We have other resources to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. You can listen to this study again by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and listen to it or download it for future use. Just click on Message Archive and then Sort by Date to find out what you want. Many other messages are available for your use. Download as many as you like. If you have any questions about this study or anything about the Christian life, call us at 727-239-0306. We're available if you'd just like to have someone pray with you. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. This program is supported by the gifts of grateful listeners like you who have been blessed by Pastor Steve's teaching. Ask the Lord if he would have you become a partner in prayer and financial support. Call us at 727-239-0306 or visit our website at versebyverseradio.org. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden, inviting you back for the next Verse by Verse. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.